So I can drink it? Yeah, go ahead. I don't think so. I've had my cup today. My cup runs over. I'm shaking already. As any good puzzle putter togetherer would do, they're going to find the corner pieces first and uh, then lay the edge. So I'm going to lay the corner pieces first by sharing with you four corner scriptures. First one is from Luke 19, starting in verse 37. And as he was approaching near the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the miracles that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the multitude said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus answered them, I tell you, if these become silent, the stones will cry out. First Peter, chapter two, verse nine. But you are a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. We are a people for God's own possession that we may proclaim, proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. I don't know any other way to proclaim except to speak. That's what the word means. Hebrews 13, verse 15. Through him, then, let us continually, continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. The fruit of our lips. And finally, John chapter 4, verse 23. But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Father, we are here in your presence. It's an awesome thing to be in the presence of the living God. 
And we thank you that by the blood of Jesus Christ, we can enter where you are. Now we ask you to wash us by that blood. Father, if we've committed any sin, any transgression, if there's anything in us now, Lord, that would hinder us from looking confidently into your face, we pray right now that you would cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Remove any hindrance. Forgive us of our sins. Remove any distractions now that we might be able in these moments to look full in the face of Jesus and all other things on earth become dim. We praise you today in the mighty name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a story about a small boy, I think his name was Philip, who was sitting by his parents in a morning worship service. It was not at Franklin Covenant, it could never be there. And like most small boys, his attention was neither easily captured nor readily held. So he began looking around for something to, to look at, to think about. And after counting all the bald heads in the room and the cell phones that were out and how many people had glasses on, his eyes fell on a bronze plaque on the wall. So it couldn't possibly have been here. We don't have such a thing. It had stars on it, letters, and the outline of an American flag. He'd never noticed it before, so he nudged his mom. He said, Mom, what is that? And she said, that is in memory of all those who died in service. There was a long pause. And then with a sense of concern and almost panic, he said, which service, morning or evening? So again, I tell you, it could not have been here because we won't have an evening service. All of us, but again, not at Franklin Covenant Church, have attended worship services that started at 10 o'clock sharp and ended at 11 o'clock dull. But not here. My brethren, may it never be. However, we are in a battle. Galatians 5.17 tells us that the flesh sets itself against the spirit. We have an enemy. And this enemy does not want us to proclaim the excellencies of our Lord. This enemy does not want us to offer the fruit of our lips. The praise do his name. This enemy does not want us to be true worshipers who know how to worship in spirit and truth. There's a reason it's called the sacrifice of praise. It costs something. 
We have to take action. If I'm going to offer the fruit of my lips, I have to do what? I have to open my mouth and say something. I have to take action. I have to speak. Worship is a verb. Worship is more than a church meeting. Worship is more than singing songs. It's more than praying. You can attend a worship service, but did you worship? Today, are you going to worship? Worship is an an encounter with God. It's a living celebration in which we are in the presence of and drawing life from the life giver. It's a dynamic encounter with the living Lord in which we offer him the praise, honor and glory due his mighty name, which he rightly deserves. And at the same time, we enjoy his presence. This was shared a couple, three weeks ago by Billy Hires and by Tommy Rickards. This idea of enjoying the Lord. And we also, in his presence, are transformed by him. Like those around the throne in heaven that we see in Revelation chapter 4. When we see him face to face, we say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory, honor, power, for you did create all things and for thy pleasure they are created. Hallelujah. I am created for his pleasure. We are created for his pleasure. What an awesome idea. The Old Testament tabernacle had three sections. There was the outer court, the holy place, and the holy of holies. I certainly don't have time this morning to... Describe this tabernacle and all its components and their meaning, both literal and symbolic. But I do want to say this. The outer court is where you enter. It is the outer court where you wash your hands. You come clean. You ask Holy Spirit to remove any blemish, any impediment. To show you your sin. It is in the outer court that you are washed in the blood of the Lamb. You are forgiven. You receive His forgiveness. You receive the assurance of His forgiveness. 1 John 1, nine. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. Righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all, all unrighteousness. What a promise. 
It's one of the first scripture songs I learned. I'll never forget it. So we proceed to the holy place. After being forgiven and washed, what can we do? Shout it from the rooftop. Proclaim the excellencies of Him who called us out of darkness into His marvelous light. Jesus who transferred us into the kingdom of love and an eternity with Him forever. Removing the sting of death. That's something to get excited about. We enter His gates with thanksgiving in our hearts. We enter His courts with praise. He has made me glad. I am His and He is mine. Yet why are so many of us so reluctant, so quiet? Is it because I'm stoic and mature? I danced when I was 25. I don't dance anymore. We yell and scream and pull and cheer for our favorite sports teams. We go to games and get all excited. Sometimes we even jump out of our seats. We go to concerts and we yell and stomp and holler. We, we want to get as close to the stage as we can. We pull out our cell phones. Well, I don't, but, and we wave them in the air, and it's a beautiful feeling. It's so nice. We go to movies or get caught up in some TV program. We add the characters to our prayer list. We're so moved, we often cry. It's so touching. Yet if anyone, anyone who ever lived deserved the greatest applause, the loudest cheer, if anyone deserves to be hollered for, chased after, pursued, followed, gotten excited about, It's the Lord God Himself, Jesus Christ. The most exciting, the most awesome thing, object, person who ever lived in the entire universe and who still lives today. He deserves more than this. A polite golf clap. Oh, Jesus, I'm so happy you're here. Our excitement, our enthusiasm for Him should surpass the total sum of every other thing in our lives. In 1 Samuel 16, we see King Saul haunted by an evil spirit. Verse 14 tells us that it terrorized him. Verse 16 brings the solution. 
The scripture says, now command your servants to seek a man who is a skillful player on the harp. And it shall come about that when the evil spirit is on you, the harp shall be played and you will be well. So they located David. And sure enough, as David played, Saul was refreshed. What caused the evil spirit to depart? Praise and worship. You see, if you build a throne, a throne of worship, he will come. And he gives me beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. What an exchange. Who would not make that trade? Are you heavy this morning? You don't have to be heavy any longer. Do you have mourning this morning? You can trade it for joy right now. Do you have ashes in your life? He'll give you beauty. You can't get a deal like that anywhere else. Later in 2 Samuel chapter 6, we find this same David, now King David, leading the procession, bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem after an absence of many, many, many years. David is so thrilled by the thought of the Ark of the Covenant returning to its rightful place that he begins leaping And dancing before the Lord and in front of all the people, including his wife. She is so embarrassed that her husband is showing his undergarments in uninhibited, exuberant praise that she doesn't just leave him alone or turn the other way or ignore him. No, she says to herself, I must rebuke him. And so she does. Why are you doing this, David? You shouldn't act that way. And she's not the only one. But I tell you this morning, when you see what David saw, when you're so focused on the Father, so focused on His love and beauty and majesty, when you see what He saw and you feel what He felt, you'll do what David did. Like David did in Jehovah's sight, I will dance with all my might. Like Joshua did at Jericho, we will shout to defeat the foe. You want to know where God lives? Praise is his address. And now we come into the Holy of Holies. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Now, one of the Pharisees, his name was Simon, his first name was Simon. 
was requesting him to dine with him. And he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at table. And behold, there was a woman in the city who was a sinner. And when she learned that he was reclining at table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and kept wiping them with the hair of her head, kissing his feet, anointing them with the perfume. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered, Simon, I have something to say to you. And Simon said, say it, teacher. A certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave them both. Which of them, therefore, will love him more? Simon said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And Jesus said, you have judged correctly. And turning to the woman, he said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. She has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil. But she anointed my feet with perfume. And for this reason, I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven. For she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. And he said to her, your sins have been forgiven. And those who were reclining at table with him began to say to themselves, who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. First, we have. The woman. The five things I want to point out. First of all, and second, there was desire and recognition. She had a desire to be with Jesus Christ. She recognized her own need. And this created a desire to seek the Lord, to go to him. To investigate where he was. So she asked around. She searched. She found him. Maybe she had previously been touched by the Lord in some other encounter. I don't know. Maybe she had been ministered to by him. Maybe there had already been some change in her life. I don't know. But she knew enough that all that mattered to her was to be in his presence. 
His presence. Where the healing is. Where forgiveness is. Where restoration is. Where lives are changed forever. Where two or three are gathered together in His name. Jesus is in the midst. He's here. Now. Can we find Him? Next, she came prepared. She brought with her to the meeting a vial of costly perfume. She did not come empty-handed. She wasn't full. Her cup wasn't running over. Not yet. But she came prepared with what she had. She made a sacrifice. Of praise. She enters his courts with thanksgiving and acknowledgement of who he is and pours herself out for him. Next, she is focused and uninhibited. Focused and uninhibited. She enters this house uninvited. Uninvited. This was Simon's house. Locates the Lord and throws herself at his feet. She disregards everything and everyone else. She is focused on Jesus. Nothing else matters. Nothing else can distract her. Not crying babies or microphones that don't work or sound systems that go crazy or rustling papers or what the person sitting next to you is doing. Nothing could distract her. And she's uninhibited. Like David was. Because when you enter the Holy of Holies... It's you and him. You and him. What did Jesus do? He recognizes her. Jesus does not pull away. He doesn't back off. He doesn't say, no, not now. He does not rebuke her. For who she is, a sinner, or what she is wasting, costly perfume. No, he gives her his personal attention. He accepts her worship. As she focuses on him, he focuses on her. And next, Jesus is provoked to respond. He desires to minister to her, even as she is ministering to him. And as he knows the innermost parts of her being, 
He knows her point of need. I can put myself in that place right now. Next, we can be convinced that Jesus also came prepared. Are we not worth more than the lilies of the field, the birds of the air? How he longs to love his children. All the power of God is available to all of us when we worship him in spirit and in truth. He holds nothing back. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And lastly, Jesus is also focused and uninhibited. Jesus was invited to Simon's house. The host probably also had other important people there. He could have thought, well, maybe, maybe this is the wrong time. After all, I am a guest in this man's house. I could minister to these people. Well, that's just what he did. He could have said, what will these people think of me if I ignore them and focus on this woman? But he didn't. This woman meant business with the living God. And the living God meant business with her. It's never the wrong time. It's never the wrong place to encounter the Lord of love. Jesus focused on her worship. And then he focused on her need. And he'll do the same for us. Worship team, would you please make your way forward? And don't let them distract you, please. (laughs) Then there is Simon. The third character in this play. Simon the Pharisee. Simon the religious man. The worship service attender. Yet we see that he wanted no part of this sinner. She disgusted him. He couldn't believe that Jesus would pay attention to her or even dare to touch her. Simon's reaction to this woman Shows that he really wanted no part of Jesus either. You gave me no water for my feet. You gave me no kiss. You did not anoint my head with oil. In other words, you gave me none of the common courtesies that a household guest should expect when entering a house. In other words... Simon, you wanted a form of religion while denying its power. You want me in the room, but you have no interest in getting close. 
You want an outer court experience, Simon. But you don't want to come near the Holy of Holies. Simon, your worship is shallow. But this woman's worship is extravagant. You stiff arms me while she threw her arms around me. The question I ask myself right now, which way am I, am I in this moment? Am I Simon? Or am I the woman? Which do you choose to be? When I look into your holiness, when I gaze into your loveliness, when all things that surround become shadows, in the light of you. When I found the joy of reaching your heart. When my will becomes enthroned in your love. When all things that surround become shadows. In the light of you. I worship you. I worship you. The reason I live. Is to worship you. That's all that matters. If I've seen. And I've done. And I've gained. And I've won. All the good things that life ever brings. Still I've tasted enough. Of life's miracle stuff. That forever I just have to sing. If the rocks would cry out. Should his praises die out. Then the stones must be silent. As long. As long as I've breath for the singing. His praise will keep ringing. And I... We'll keep singing my song. Keep silent, ye mountains. Ye fields and ye fountains. For this is the time I must sing. It's the time to sing praises. 